With the first week, week of school and universities upon us, I think it's appropriate for my quote of the week to discuss education. And my hope is that we start discussing a lot more than the latest political wrangling over education and instead talk about curriculum, what's being taught in the classroom. And that brings me to my quote of the week by celebrated economist Thomas Sowell in quotes. I think we're raising whole generations who regard facts as more or less optional. We have kids in elementary school who are being urged to take stands on political issue, to write their congressmen, other politicians about things like nuclear energy. They're not a decade old, and they're being thrown these kinds of questions that can absorb the lifetime of very brilliant and learned men and women. And they're being taught that it's important to have views, but they're not being taught that it's important to know what you're talking about. It's important to hear the opposite viewpoint, and more important, to learn how to distinguish why viewpoint A and viewpoint B are different, and which one has the most evidence or logic behind it. They disregard that. They hear something. They hear some rhetoric and they run with it. End of quote. Time now for this week's shocking stat. And this week's stat is 0.03%. As in, that's how much the economy shrank in the second quarter. Annualized, that's a 1.1% contraction. Now, it's shocking because the consensus of economists was for annualized growth of 2.5%. I mean, that's a huge miss. And one that could spell trouble as we go forward because the preliminary numbers for July is an even bigger contraction. And my personal shock, well, actually, it's my disappointment. I'm not surprised that during the campaign, specific policies to spur economic growth have rarely rated a mention with two of the parties outlining policies that would severely damage economic growth if implemented. And just so you're clear, Tax increases are always negative for the economy, whether they're levied on individuals or business income or investments, sales taxes, labor through payroll taxes, property, you name it, always negative for the economy. Sadly, with the exception of the Conservative Party, our political leaders don't even pay lip service to the need to attract and encourage capital investment, improve our competitiveness rankings, uh, along with the free fall in our rankings in terms of doing business. At least the Conservatives have mentioned that. I want to see a lot more meat in the bone. But all of which are necessary, regardless of your political persuasion or your gender or your marital status. At least if you care about issues like poverty or your wages or government services, climate policies, jobs, charitable donations, all of these are helped by a stronger economy. And certainly not one that's contracting. And by the way, dismal economic growth is not a recent problem. It's not a pandemic-related problem. You should know that our 10-year average for growth is a dismal 1.5%. Time for this week's Goofy Award. You know, this weekend marks a 1,000 days in captivity in China for former Canadian diplomat Michael Kovrig, businessman Michael Spavar, held in solitary confinement in what's been described as abominable conditions. That's in retaliation for the detention of Huawei executive Ming Wanzhou, who, by the way, lives in her Vancouver mansion, in the most expensive neighborhood in the city and is allowed to roam the streets of Vancouver. Mr. Spavar has just been sentenced to 11 years for espionage on trumped up accusations of taking pictures of Chinese military equipment while Michael Kovrig still hasn't been sentenced. Charles Burton is a senior fellow at McDonnell Laurier Institute, but he's also held diplomatic postings in China. And he states on MSN.com that in quotes, 
I believe that the government's claims that they made Kovrig and Spavar the top foreign policy priority are difficult to verify simply because we haven't made any kind of retaliation to provide the Chinese government with incentive to release them. I think he's talking about things like recalling our ambassador, expelling China's ambassador, but we've done nothing. But this is part of a broader issue, our approach to China. As Mr. Burton says, so far in quotes, we simply passively responded to what the Chinese government has been doing. Well, this is despite warnings from the Canadian military in CSIS, whose director, David Vignon, warned against China's, in quotes, strategy for geopolitical advantage on all fronts, economic, technological, political, military, that uses, in quotes, all elements of state power to carry out activities that are a direct threat to Canada's national security and sovereignty, a direct threat. And somehow China's not a major election issue. What's that called? Oh, yeah, it's called pathetic. Dealing with China is the number one geopolitical issue in the world and should be front and center in the federal campaign. But you know what? Our thinking's too small, too pedestrian to consider geopolitical questions, despite the clear warnings by groups like the Clairvoyant Cyber Corp, who consults for CSIS and the RCMP, and they did a report for Public Health Canada that warned that China uses a range of tools in Canada from criminal gangs to cyber hackers to high-tech companies like Huawei which could be costing the Canadian economy $100 billion a year. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Most of our leaders don't think about the economy. Chinese cyber attacks have been going on for a long time. I mean, maybe you remember the extensive Chinese military cyber attack on Nortel in 2004, and they continue every day. And yet, it's not an election issue. Canada is the only member of the Five Eyes Intelligence Network to not ban Huawei from building our 5G network, despite explicit warnings from the military. Explicit warnings from CSIS that one of the main pillars of the Communist Party's ongoing assault on the West is in cyberspace. It's incredible. One more thing. As we note the thousand days in captivity for Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavar, and I hope you do. I hope you give them a thought. Thousand days in solitary confinement. Well, I have a poll question for you. Which party do you think Xi Jinping and the Communist Party of China hopes wins the federal election? Now, we've listed the parties alphabetically. So who do you think the Communist Party of China wants to win? I'm not asking you who you want to win. Put your foreign affairs analyst hat on and let us know. Is it the Conservatives, Green Party, Liberals, NDP? All you have to do is go to Mike's Money Talks or Money Talks Tweet or Michael Campbell's Money Talks on Facebook. I invite you to do it. I'd love to see what your answer is. And I think, as I say, while our leaders may not be talking about this, we should be. That's all the time we have this week. I hope you continue to join me, by the way, on Money Talks Tweets or Michael Campbell's Money Talks on Facebook and go to our site, Money Talks, Mike's Money Talks.ca. In the meantime, I hope you have a terrific week.